At least one person is dead and almost two dozen people have been wounded in the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration. Police say three people were taken into custody and that firearms were recovered. Wednesday's shooting happened despite the presence of more than 800 police officers at the parade. No details have been given about those who were detained or a possible motive. At least eight children are among those who were shot. The woman killed in the shooting has been identified as Lisa Lopez Galvan, a Kansas City area DJ from community radio station KKFI, which issued a statement on its social media page yesterday saying, quote, It is with sincere sadness and an extremely heavy and broken heart that we let our community know that KKFI DJ Lisa Lopez, host of Taste of Tejano, lost her life today in the shooting at the Casey Chiefs rally. Our hearts and prayers are with her family. The Kansas City Police Department is asking anyone who may have witnessed the shooting to reach out. A local school official says there was never any threat to the safety of students and staff Wednesday at Rock Creek High School after a poem was found a Tuesday that caused concern. Rock Creek USD 323 Superintendent Joan Simino. Um, that poem was turned in then to the Pot County Sheriff, um, who I'm wildly grateful for. Uh, we worked through the night with them. We did a sweep of our buildings. Of course, we had to do the middle school and the high school because we're, we're combined up here. But right before school started this morning, we were able to put some of the pieces of the puzzle together, realized the poem was a part of a, a larger assignment. I think it's very interested in forensic science and uh, was kind of putting together a very interesting piece. Simino shared those comments on K-Man's In Focus yesterday. She says parents were notified and advised that safety and security remain a top priority for their school district. Financing options will be explored this morning as Riley County commissioners try to look at ways to tackle some needed facilities upgrades. Commissioners directed staff back in late January to seek answers regarding general obligation bonds and sales tax revenue. Staff found that the annual payment on a $10 million GO bond over 10 years would be a little over $1.1 million, bringing the county's total debt balance to about $11.8 million. Riley County has a debt limit of $25.5 million and, according to agenda documents, is currently using less than 1% of their budgeted limit. Staff also determined that sales tax can be used for district court renovations. Further discussion on that topic will happen at around 11.20 this morning at the meeting. The meeting today also includes a request for an interim community corrections director as well as updates from RCPD and Extension, and the meeting gets underway at 9. Riley County Commissioners this week unanimously approved the purchase of land west of Keats Park for a future non-discharging sewer lagoon. An agreement was secured Monday with Stanley Shirley's Trust, allowing the county to purchase about 13 to 15 acres at $20,000 per acre. The final price won't be determined until the county knows just how much land it will need for the project. Commissioner Greg McKinley says the agreement comes after years of negotiations and planning and allows the county to avoid pursuing the property via eminent domain. We had authorized that just, you know, intending not to use it, but just to say that is option, you know, saying the option is available. It's not something we really wanted to do, not something I thought I would ever be in favor of, but there's, you know, 60-some houses out there that are going to, you know, most of them, gonna, their house is going to be worth, you know, they're going to have a house if we don't do something. McKinley says the next major challenge will be funding the project. The county is pursuing federal grants, and McKinley noted Tuesday that fellow Commissioner John Ford was lobbying the state's delegation in Washington, D.C. Even with recent bad weather hitting the city of Wamigo, the city still plans to go ahead with their plan to lower the city speed limit to 20 miles per hour. The city passed an ordinance to lower the speed limit within the city back in December and is continuing the transition phase to Wamigo Communications and Outreach Director Gabby Jensen. We are definitely still in the transition phases for that. Um, we have been putting information out kind of slowly as we are transitioning into actually enforcing that. It was passed in December, but we knew that there was going to be a time where we were still getting that set up and ready to go. Jensen says there will be a domino effect once they start putting up signs in the city. Kind of like 
Stacy said there'll be a domino effect once we get these things, uh, once we get a handle on these things and get the signs in, we can start putting those up and we can really make sure that this change can go into effect. The new ordinance does not mean that all city streets will have a speed limit of 20 miles per hour. There are some select streets that will still have 25 and 30 mile per hour limits. Kansas State professors are collaborating on a new community engagement initiative ahead of the 2024 presidential election. With controversy surrounding the 2020 election and the security of voting, the K-State Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy is pairing with the university's political science department tonight to discuss the topic, Voter Fraud, Myths, and Reality. K-State political science professor, Dr. Nathaniel Burkhead. There's always a concern that somebody else will be violating those practices and casting a fraudulent vote, therefore effectively canceling out something that, that is honest. And I think that that's a very reasonable concern. It's one that I know that our election supervisors take incredibly seriously. The event will take place at 5.30 this evening at Manhattan Brewing Company. Dr. Colleen Lind is the director of ICDD and explains the importance of engaging person-to-person on matters of such significance. We're hoping that tonight's event is a positive way for people to do it, not through campaign ads, not through things that you're seeing on Facebook, Mm -hmm. but through real live humans from Kansas State University. More information on tonight's joint event will be available during K-Man's In Focus. Good morning, I'm Troy Coverdale with your sports headlines. K-State rallied from a 13-point halftime deficit and was able to send the game into a second overtime behind a buzzer beater from Aoka Lee. But Iowa State pulled off the upset Wednesday night at Hilton Coliseum, 96-93, spoiling Lee's return from an injury. While the Cats were able to rally, Coach Jeff Mitty was frustrated with how his team approached the game. The thing that's disappointing for me is this has been about a 10-day problem with us in practice of not wanting to do the tough stuff. And that showed up in the first 20 minutes of them out-rebounding us by 13, uh, them physically doing whatever they wanted. And I'm talking from the guard spot. So, you know, um, they outplayed us. The Cyclones made 10 straight free throws over the final 36 seconds of the second overtime, including four makes from Addie Brown, who finished with 20 points. In Lee's return from the injury, she finished with 20 points, seven blocks, and six rebounds. The Wildcats are back home at Bramlage on Saturday afternoon, hosting UCF at four. It shouldn't take long for Caitlin Clark, meanwhile, to become the NCAA women's career scoring leader tonight. When number four Iowa plays host to Michigan, she goes into the game needing eight points to pass Kelsey Plum's total of 3,527 points. Clark has scored at least eight in the first quarter of 17 of 25 games this season and hasn't got into halftime with fewer than that. The San Francisco 49ers have fired defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes three days after they dropped the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. Coach Kyle Shanahan announced the decision to move on after one season with Wilkes in charge of the team's defense. He called it a really tough decision, but said he wanted to find a coordinator who has a better scheme to fit the talent on the defensive side of the ball. Have a great day. I'm Troy Coverdale.